behind every interesting person is a great story. This is Person of Interest with Natalie Jones. And it's time for the Person of Interest with Natalie Jones. What's going on, guys? It's been a while. So happy to be back. To be back in podcasting. I'm taking a break from the workout videos. Those occupy a lot of the time. And now I want to get to know Cincinnati a little bit more. So we are back with Terry Meyer. Super stoked about this. Terry made the documentary about Marty Brenneman that is premiering tomorrow, August 17th, 2020, at the Starlight Drive-In Movie Theater in Amelia. And actually, over the weekend, I ran into Marty Brenneman at Philly Market. Yes, I was drinking beer in the beer garden, doing push-ups on the ground. Then I saw him, and I jumped up, and he was amazing. He had his whole family with him, and he took the time to say hello and to take a picture with me, and I told him about this podcast. So, Marty, hi. Thank you for listening, and I hope you guys love this as much as I do. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Terry Meyer. Oh, and the name of Marty Brenneman's film is How We Lookin' The Immortal Words of Marty Brenneman. Okay, and so let's just give a little backstory. So um, Terry's with us today because he has written, produced, directed the whole shebang for the Marty Brenneman documentary coming out that is <clears throat> called uh, How We Lookin'. How We Lookin', yes. The Immortal, immortal Words word. of Marty Brenneman. Yes, How We Lookin', The Immortal Words of Marty Brenneman. He has a lot of other immortal worlds, like a Titanic struggle, which is what has produced this film as well, right? Yeah, I started, a, you know, usually doing LLC for each movie, so I yeah. thought it'd be fun to call it Titanic Struggle Pictures. That's LLC. awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. It's so cool. So you are a um, you are a very seasoned, experienced, and award-winning film guy yourself. So you've already, like, directed, written, produced a bunch of films. You've worked with Val Kilmer, James Franco, um, who's that guy, Vin... Um, Veer. Ving Rames. Ving Rames. Yes. <laughs> I was like, how do you pronounce the name? How was working with him? Yeah, it was kind of funny. So those films uh, are things that I've edited. Uh, usually a lot of these companies that come into town now take advantage of our Ohio tax incentive, mm-hmm. which is cool. So, yeah. so I'll get to edit uh, quite a few of those things. But I did get to meet both Val and Ving on that one because we were in an edit trailer on set. Yes. And uh, Val was really cool. He was very thankful. I, I would come up and give him... Uh, cuts of what Ving did the day before because mm-hmm. they weren't on set at the same time. Oh, and then uh, I remember Ving. Uh, he was coming out. There was some. Kind of, it was a horror picture, and and he came up out of the uh, uh, cellar or something like that. And it was so funny because I was just standing up there waiting to talk to the director about a couple of things that I was cutting. And Ving goes, I haven't met you yet. And I introduced myself. And he goes, very nice to meet you. I can't wait to see your work. <laughs> and I was like, Ving Rames, Marcellus Wallace just said hey. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so, my gosh. So what is it like giving Ving Rames a handshake? What are his hands? Oh, yeah. He like, was very cool. He's a little, hands. a little eccentric, too. He's a, uh, what do they call those actors? Um, uh, method, I guess, or whatever. Mm, you know? So it, he is that character on set yeah, all the time? Yeah. So so that was kind of fun. But he, he was really cool. Uh, you know, usually you don't want to upset the editor yeah. i guess because we have a lot of you know in control things mm-hmm. with the way the movie goes but uh but yeah that was cool oh a control thing so is that kind of so did you like being in control of the marty brenneman film then you know so so this is about my sixth movie i've i've edited or directed and edited um most <clears throat> of them are documentaries and i just feel like documentaries are kind of an editor's format anyway yeah so speaking of control i mean it's kind of weird to if you're not cutting your own picture, like what are you doing? Because you 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 take this whole gobbledygook of footage and then you chop it down and carve mm-hmm. it into you know hopefully something that makes sense. You yeah. Know, for a movie. So so I usually just play both roles when I do my own movies. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Um, as someone, I say this all the time on this podcast, um, but I worked in documentary film for six years before I worked at Q102. So it has a special place in my heart and a lot of um, just no filmmakers and stuff. And the process is a long time, everybody. It is a long time. There is so much thought and effort and manipulation and extreme minute attention to detail that goes into these films. So, all right. So now let's just talk about how we looking, okay? <laughs> You're so kind. Um, okay, so what was so you're an obvious baseball fan and you're from Cincinnati. And now I have to ask the Cincinnati question. Are you from the East Side or the West Side? So I'm, yeah, that's the thing. I'm an East Sider. <gasps> no way, where? Uh, I grew up in Amelia. I went to Amelia High School, actually. Nice, yeah. cool. Um, and so when Marty, so I read that you approached Marty about making this film. And then he said, whoa, before you knew that he was retiring. And then he was like, why don't you wait a little bit? And then follow me around um, next season, which ended up being his 46th and his final season. So did you did he tell you that? Did you know that going into this? No. So Josh Sneed and I were wanting to do a project together. And uh, we were trying. And this was with actually Nick Lachey, too, was on board uh, to do a documentary in the Big Red Machine. Mm -hmm. This is probably about 2015. And it's just really hard to raise money um, on any independent film, as you might imagine. And that one in particular, because we had, you know, the grade eight guys and, and it was just a lot of logistics for that. So we kind of failed miserably on raising any funds. And then Josh was like, you know, next year is Marty's 45th year. And I grew up again. Uh, I started playing baseball in 1974, mm -hmm. and that was the year that Marty started. So and he's always been a guy that I was like, you know what, if I can go into broadcasting, I'd probably love to follow his footsteps. It was basically him. I always say this, him and Gary Burbank. Uh, Gary, and who's Gary Burbank? So Gary Burbank was our legendary 700 WLW uh, 2 o'clock guy who mm -hmm. would do voices and, you know, just this comedy show. And that, and that was back in the day when, you know, radio, you would still be able to write a lot of original stuff yeah. before coming in the clocks. And I, I, I guess <clears> the stuff you guys have to stick to now. So. So he was another uh, a guy. Oh, no, in I Cincinnati. just say whatever I want to all the time. Was, well, yeah, I, I mean, get in you trouble. The, you you know. the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so uh, Josh and I were like, yeah, let's. Let, I definitely want to do a, a Marty Doc anyway. And forty fifth year is a great. Let's do it. Let's let's yeah. go talk to him. And then uh, Marty, uh, I was doing my research as I always do, and, and prepping everything, and starting to get a, a budget together and everything. And then he said, you know, guys, you might want to wait. I'm thinking next year might be it. And uh, so I still have plenty of work to do on it. So I've been on this thing for about 18 months. Wow. Uh, so that shows proof to um, to Marty's character right there. And obviously to Josh and yours as well. Is Marty as great as we all think he is when we get to oh, know him? Oh, he's ridiculously cool. And, and I, I just am so humbled that he trusted me to tell a story. Because yeah. when you go into these things, you have to become the expert of that subject. And then mm -hmm. I do documentaries like on characters. Uh, I call them characters, but like my first documentary, I did one on the naked cowboy. I yes, yeah. American icon. American icon. So he's he's from Green Hills. <laughs> he a lot of people is. Don't know that. I yeah. know. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. And I just I just I'm always like uh, I just like individuals that are doing stuff that's interesting. Well, let's you know? talk about some some other of your documentaries. So you've made a lot of sports docs as well. So you made one about um, the Naked Cowboy. Also, Pete Rose, you did a basketball one as well. Yeah, so there's a famous story. I remember I was like probably in junior high. Um, Simon Kenton's 1980-81 season. Mm -hmm. Now, Simon Kenton High School back in the 
late 70s, early 80s was like the size of Mayberry and not, not like Independence today, right? Mm-hmm. And they had three six foot eight guys on that team for this little thing, right? This Something in the water. Legit. <laughs> it must be, yeah. <laughs> Throwing them down on the farm, right? <laughs> but they went into the state of Kentucky with like rank 16 in the state. And um, they, you know, the whole state, and they don't Mm -hmm. have divisions like Ohio. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that changed since I made the movie. But um, they... uh they were going in with these high expectations, and then they had a uh, an explosion at the school, an art mm-hmm. room uh, kiln, uh, and it killed one of the students and, and a lot of oh, wow. firemen and everything. And half the school was, you know, and they had to re- repair it and everything, mm-hmm. and they thought they weren't going to have a basketball season. Yeah. Um, somehow they did. They came back, and uh, so the, the big Cinderella story is they went from that and – Went all the way down, you know, in at the UK Rupp Arena, won the whole thing. Yes. And uh, they were like the only team uh, from the ninth region for like 100 years or something. It was crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And wow. that was cool because that was my my real – that documentary gave me the confidence um, to d- then do Pete. And then, you know, Marty came off of that Yeah. Uh, to tell those kind of more – like I said, they're more personal stories, I guess. Well, so can you say, like, so g- going through these tiers of confidence along in your um, in your career and you get to Marty, what type of attitude did you bring going into it? Well, I mean, it's always it's always the same thing. It, th- this one was a little better because Marty was in my movie for 4192. Mm-hmm. And so I had met him. You know, I, I, I'm just shocked that it's been 10 years since that movie. This is our 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but he was so integral because he was the broadcast guy from, you know, when Pete came and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, well, 1974, all the way through uh, the hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was just so giving and cool. And, you know, a, a lot of those guys, I just feel like, you know, uh, the Big Red Machine. And those every one of those guys, Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan was my guy. Yeah. And uh, Tony Perez, I mean, they all deserve their own documentary. Yeah. And it just came around. It was time to do Marty and uh, – you know, and you got to do yeah. it. Yeah. So that going into it, like with the confidence, was there anything, was there any one particular question, moment, this is a layered question, or um, subject that you were apprehensive and nervous to bring up with Marty or talk about? You know, I try to, I'm not really like a Michael Moore guy where I go after, you know, the 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 more, what do you call it? Uh, the shock the, factor. The sh- yeah. The I, crazy you know, I reactions. try to do these little tributes, I guess. Um uh, but I still need to tell the, the truth. Marty's mm-hmm. very outspoken, of course, and mm-hmm. you know. And I said, you know, I don't. And he goes, nope. I want you to tell anything. I the want you to ask thing. me anything you want. Yes. And uh, so when you see the movie, there's there's definitely a section in there where it's like that's the Marty we all know and love as fans, uh, yeah. but where yeah, he should have been fired or <laughs> <laughs> you know he's. You know what? Yeah. You, icons and legends are not made without a whole rap sheet of I should have been fired, but I wasn't because of this. <laughs> that is a true story. You know what I mean? Yeah. He earned it for yeah. sure. He, absolutely. So going through this, like what? So this is an 18th month, 18 month process. Let's talk about how you were supposed to premiere this opening day. It was part of the whole opening day, first season without Marty, et cetera, et cetera. And now, obviously, because in 2020 we were in COVID land, that did not happen. And how are you? So now you're premiering the film August 17th at the Starlight Theater in Amelia, where you're from. That's got to be a great— <laughs> that's, that's cool because that's, that's... that is ironic that we still have a theater out by me, which I grew up going to. I love that theater, and, yeah. the, and the folks there are great. 
But it was really, you know, chosen because of necessity. Yeah. You know, there's just no theaters really that could okay, pull because, this off. Because I am a woo-woo, stars are aligned, always optimistic person. I feel like maybe this all happened for a reason. And now it's about, it's a good homecoming for you. You get to premiere your film that's, at your that's hometown. That's a good way of looking you at know? it. I like that. The sure. stars aligned at the starlight. <laughs> right <you know>? on. <laughs> so, so in this film... How Are We Looking, The Immortal Lords of Marty Brenneman. You also um, interviewed a lot of really awesome, famous people in the in the like ESPN biz and the broadcasting biz and in the sports world. Were there moments with these people that you uh, do? Well, number one, do you have like a favorite moment from interviewing these uh, it, guys? It's so surreal because, um, you know, all of these guys are people, again, that gave their time mm-hmm. uh, because of Marty. Yeah. They wanted to do it. And then, of course, our guy Josh, uh, mm-hmm. who knows everybody, he mm-hmm. was suggesting some guys. And he was really responsible for uh, Kirk, Herb yeah. Street, uh, more than anybody. I wanted to do Urban. I knew that Urban and uh, Tom Brenneman, because Urban's on Fox now, and uh, he's met Marty several times. But I went to Ohio State, so I'm a Buckeye fan. Oh, nice. And to, to just, it, and it was cool because he invited us because of Corona. We drove up to his house in Columbus. At Urban's house? There. Yeah. Cool. And that was really cool. He was so great. Signed a book for me and everything. So, awesome. So I get a little gaga on some of these mm-hmm. things, too. And then, uh, Kirk, we went down to Nashville is where he lives, believe it or not. Wow. And he's the most laid back, just regular guy. He uh, seems he, like it. He said, quote, yeah, I grew up, uh, I went, I was in Wyoming here, but on the bad side. <laughs> There's not a bad side to Wyoming. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. But uh, I think he went to Centerville High School, too. Um, he did, and he went so, to Centerville University yeah. as well, yeah. So he's he's just been a big, and, and he's in broadcasting now, and he's yeah. another Ohio State quarterback, so that was great. Uh, like I said, Nick, uh, that was a little scary because Nick was on board from the beginning, and then uh, he Lachey, was- Nick Lachey. Nick Lachey, and he was kind of stranded in L.A., mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the coronavirus and stuff. And I even had a plane ticket to go out there, but um, then it got canceled. Yeah. And uh, so I luckily have a crew of actually former Cincinnati people who, who are out there uh, making a living- Tearing it up in TV and, and yeah. movies and great. And uh, so my buddy Dave Thies out there, um, he got a crew together, and I did the Nick Lachey uh, interview over like a Zoom thing. Right. So, really? so we got him. Well, we the quality on that is amazing, by the way. You cannot oh, tell at all. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> so that worked out nice. But we were nice. supposed to have a couple other guys. Um, Joe Morgan, like I said earlier, he, he, was, he was my idol. I was kind of a uh, – I played every position, but I was more second base. and, and uh, Was and it – one of Marty's t- best friends. And really, we just couldn't yeah. couldn't pull it off because of his stuff. And well, so was it hard for you? Um, well, we, when you were around um, Joe, then to remain really professional when you were kind of fanning a little bit. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had met Joe and Johnny Bench. Uh, you know, through uh, when we were pitching the uh, Big Red Machine, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that was kind of. It, it's always hard to hold back on that. I mean, Pete Rose, the first time I I pitched him that idea. Yeah, uh, he wasn't. He was, I think, you know, living in uh, where was he? I think he was in L.A., but he was going back and forth to Vegas for his his signings and stuff. And I had a buddy who got me in contact, and I said, Pete, I I want to tell the forty one ninety two story, and he goes. Well, I'm curious to hear what you're saying. You're from Cincinnati, and I'm going to come up. And he's sitting in my office, and I'm pitching him his own life story. I'm like, this is what I want to do. And he was like, yeah, okay, let's go with that. Okay, so let's talk about that. Is Pete Rose, what was it like working? All right. Hmm. Who do you like better working with, Pete Rose or Marty? 
You know, they're kind of in a weird way because they're they're really like best friends. They really are. Yeah. Like, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, first thing Marty said when I met him back ten years ago, coming in to interview him, I'm like, "Hi, thanks for doing this and everything." He goes, "You know, the movie you ought to make is you know me, Rose, and Morgan going around in the '70s doing our thing." Oh. You know, they were really tight off off the uh, you know off the game and stuff. Oh. So they're kind of they're just shoot from the hips. I I really like interviewing uh, athletes. I think because mm-hmm. they are just regular guys. They're not really uppity celebrities, and they 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 just. They love stories. Yeah. And I always looked at that movie and this one, like, that's Uncle Pete telling a fire, fireside yeah. chat movie or something, you know? Yeah. And he was willing to give whatever. We had to cut some things out because it was like, eh, that's too funny. Okay. <laughs> a little too insider. But, but well, you I know what it. I think is a common thread with athletes is they still get out and grind in order to stay on top of their game. So they're humbled in ways that maybe we don't, not all of them, you know, not every athlete. But, I mean, in order to be the best, you got to put in the freaking work. Absolutely. And you got to make sacrifices, which I think keeps you. It's got to keep you humble and grateful because you your your career is only you can't talk you, you can't have you can't do forty six years in baseball like Marty did if you're an athlete. So right, and that's the thing is you know they're they're they are humble in that aspect because they know that any day it could probably be taken away or whatever. Yeah, but they have a long you know Pete was twenty four years uh, for baseball. Wow. I mean that's for an athlete at that level. I mean he you know. That was even before Gatorade, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. But but they also take great direction too. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're just like, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to be? You Team know, player, like... man. Yeah, that's what it's about yourself. So, and well, so um, what did you learn about Marty that that surprised you a lot throughout this? Process? Yeah, I, I always am still amazed uh, at his basketball calling. Um, I didn't know how deep that went. Um, for the NCAA? So, and even before that. So the NCAA, for example, you know, I was watching the Final Four and, or the, the college, the NCAA games back, back in the day and, and uh, you know, just on like CBS or something, like mm-hmm. regular television. I didn't know that Marty called the Leitner shot, the famous UK Duke game, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's highlighted in the movie. I've I'm, seen I'm that, behind the, that behind the scenes. Yeah, okay. we have a little of that in the trailer. But, um, but I was like, wow, he was awesome at that, right? Yeah. And so interviewing him, you know, I, I wanted to start from the beginning. Where'd you grow up? What'd you do? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I do my research. So I knew that he had been broadcasting in the ABA, mm-hmm. you know, the American Basketball League or whatever. And um, he had this great um, just I, – I don't even know how to describe it. He he would have been better than he, – he would have been in the Hall of Fame as a basketball announcer. I'll just say that. Really? So he was with the ABA Squires when Dr. J and George Iceman Gervin was there and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And then he got the job from that uh, for the Reds. Oh, in the 70s, way back mm-hmm. in the day. I yeah. didn't know that at all. Yeah. And then he actually started off – how old is Marty? Because then he actually started off – um, in broadcasting, he was a news anchor. Marty is really, really old. No, <laughs> he did laugh at that. No, he yeah. ble- he's just in great shape. He gets around, and uh, he yeah. was uh, 1942. So what is that? 78. Jeez, Pete. Cow, yeah. That's what I was thinking about him today. So I've been thinking about him a lot in preparation for this. And is he always that tan? And is he always <laughs> just smiling? As someone, I work in radio. I mean, he's a radio guy. You know, like the days are not all. Smiley, like no, every those guys, day is not smiley. I always say this too, and this is this goes for for Pete and Marty too. Is like when when you're around these guys doing these documentaries, you get to see the fans interact. Yeah, and it's like they almost expect them to be on at all times. Because I've seen people like that one day that Pete wasn't, you know, in a good mood to to sign an autograph. 
then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Pete's this and that. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's just, and then, you know, and I've seen Marty, Marty was a little impatient on our first interview, uh, not for this movie, for, for 4192, um, but he, he warned us. He said, guys, I got to I gotta be out of here at two. And, and we were like, that's great, whatever. So it's, you know, he's getting around five minutes till two and, and you know, everything's going great and we're still rolling. Mm-hmm. Right at two o'clock, he goes, okay, I'm out. And he pulled his own lava off and he walked out. <laughs> I was like, okay, he really meant to. He means business. He means business. Wait, so I mean, well, uh, their schedules I could imagine are insane. So you're changing my mind on how I feel about Pete Rose. I grew up. I was born in '85, the year that he hit his legendary 4192. That was in September 11th, 1985, right? Yeah. So I grew up after his career, you know, and just thinking that he was bad. Or like not to like Pete Rose, yeah, and that he was a jerk and yeah. blah blah blah, and he ran with all these people and he was, you know, all the negative things that happened with the band. I made that film because of folks like you. <gasps> really, thank it's, you. It's, it's hilarious. So one of my good buddies who was in advertising and stuff, I always, I always blame him directly. We got in a big argument. I said, you know, nobody cares, uh, you know, about Pete because unless the the way he played the game. Yeah. If he was just an average player. You know, and he gambled or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. Nobody gave a crap then, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to make a movie and show you this guy, his extraordinary playing career is what's being lost. You know, like ESPN had done, you know, some goofy movie where Tom Sizemore played Pete and he looked like Mo from the Three Stooges. And yeah. Everything. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I said, this guy was a once-in-a-lifetime once player who just really, we were talking about hustling. Mm-hmm. He was the epitome of that stuff. I was going to say, he was, pre- yeah. he was um, talk about grit, right? Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And 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 that's, I was lucky because, you know, I, I grew up like being able to, you know, a seven or eight-year-old watching this guy play, you know, and that's what I, I wanted to make the movie for eight-year-olds, you know, really too, to mm-hmm. say, you know what, if you work hard, because yeah. the guy was scouted as like, can't run, can't throw, can't hit. He had something to prove his whole yeah, life. He yeah, he was just like he was one of us, and then he he, he did that stuff. So so that's why I wanted to do that movie up until the hit, yeah, and not deal with you know because I think enough has been done about the other stuff. Yes. So I was like, let me even the the score here and show you all. Oh, good for you. Did. That was a goal. because now that I think about it, like every I never thought about him as a player. I really haven't. As yeah, I've grown they don't up, concentrate but, on that but at all, all growing up, I never thought about him as yeah. an actual player because I never really got to see him live, and then. But now he's been immortalized through posters and photos, and in every single one, he has that look of determination on his face. Like whatever he's doing, he was. uh, When we made that movie, I think he was seventy-two, and we he went over this batting cage and started showing these kids how to hit. Seventy-two, he got he was hitting the ball. I was like, dude, he still got it. Way to go! So he's not that big of a jerk. Okay, that makes no. He's I I I love him. I think he's a great guy, and I get he's got some some stuff, yeah, some baggage there, and to say the least. Um, But you know what? That's not the guy that I really. I don't. I'm not a really big person on getting into that side of it. Mm -hmm. I I take it for what it is. Well, you seem to really, I mean, you tell the story. And tell the story, the enjoyable story that people want to know and love. I think they should amazing. be remembered for, you know, really what they did on the field. Why why we do care. Yeah. You know, like I said, if Pete was average, nobody would care what he did. That's a really um, great perspective. You know, and You're such an optimist. I try to be. I yeah. try to be. <laughs> and, I, and I'm proud of Cincinnati. These are these are our people, you yeah. know. Um, just, I, I mean, there's so many stories. I, like, 
I was trying to get funding. I want to do the King Records thing, so it's not yeah. even just just personalities. I, it's just we have such a great history in this town. We really do. The King Records. There is a film that came out about King Records. Yeah. In, uh, um, I went to the premiere actually in eighteen into like the December of two thousand eighteen mm-hmm. or something. It was great. Um, I must say the the big the big red machine. I'm just gonna put it out there. Um, this the uh, the the business courier. They they did they wrote a cutthroat little article about that. Did you read it? Yes. Well, I did the interview with Stephen Watkins, who I'm going to name his name because uh, you know yeah. I, I'd like to go off right now, but I won't. <laughs> no, he he was single handedly because of that article. It was a very cool interview, and I said, yeah, we're we're going to try to uh, so we have control over it. Yeah. You know, there is something to be said about being totally independent. I don't mind getting investors involved. You mm-hmm. know, that's great. But we were like. I think this is going to be popular enough. Let's go ahead and do a GoFundMe. Yeah. And let's go, uh, you know, the Reds were supporting. They let us uh, have a booth down at the, um, oh, I'm blanking, uh, every year the, <laughs> what is it called? The, the opening day. No, the, the <laughs> December event where the Reds mania thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm blanking right now. I know what it's called. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, so it didn't really go off that well. And at the same time, we were supplementing that with a couple people that I were talk that I was talking to investors Mm -hmm. and they were very close to pulling the trigger on it. And that article came out and they said, yeah, I think I'm going to back off. (laughs) I was like, what? Because of this. uh, Yeah. You, and, and and they have a choice, the media to, to spin it. I'm Mm -hmm. not even going to call it spin it. It wasn't like it wasn't, true but it was like written like you said in a way that was very negative and very like we just failed miserably don't trust these people yeah with your, you i know, thought that like, it was like this is cutthroat and obviously the person who read this uh, is like ego all about them yeah like using their personal incentives instead of just telling the story which i did not seem to be that and, and, and not that's fair the kind of you. like you said i do think of myself as an optimist so I, I was really bummed about that because i'm just trying to make these movies because again these are stories that i care about yeah and it was so cynical and so like you know i know well you know what I mean, but you're obviously bounced back and like made so many films um, since then. Or like this film is going to do so well. I'm so Thank excited you. for you, and I like want to learn more about. I want to learn more about Marty as someone. To be very honest, um, he was not the biggest Reds fan. I'd rather go to a fashion show, sure, um, you know, than go to a Reds game where I don't know Marty Brenneman's. I don't know the whole story in his history, but he's been. But he's an icon in Cincinnati. I grew up with him, like. You know, and now he's gone, and I want to know the freaking story. I want to know how what he's really like. So, if you could enter, if you could describe Marty in three words, you know what? what that was one of my questions in my interviewees. And no I, way! You're, you're putting me on the spot because <laughs> I put all those guys on the spot. It was funny, you know, like even his son Tom's like sitting there going, "Hmm, um, outspoken, um, <laughs> right? Like, uh, what do I say? Nice, right?" Right. I mean, uh, sleeps well. <laughs> yeah. For for me, it's a little different. I, I think from a fan standpoint, it's always going to be, you know, uh, you know, outspoken. Like I said, um, mm-hmm. he can be cantankerous at times, but he can also be very, very funny. Mm-hmm. He's just got a great sense of humor, which is the other thing I'm going to tell about. So the movie, I don't want people to go into it expecting like some kind of dry Ken Burnsy documentary. And I enjoy Ken Burns movies, but this is a very entertaining piece. Okay. I swear you are going to laugh. And you were going to cry. Oh, great. And then you're going to learn stuff. Even the most hardcore fans are going to learn some stuff that they didn't know. Okay, like so. what? Without spoiling too much. This is what I want to know. Like, what can we expect? What are things you're going to learn about him? Are there... Um, yes, go into this, please. Yeah. Um, 
I think the persona of people, you know, that are celebrities are totally there's there's just a different thing. You know, he was so giving with his vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I always say this. I made Pete Rose cry and now I made Marty Brennerman cry. <gasps> And that's kind of like, I feel like I'm the Oprah of these sports documentaries. (laughs) No, but it's really so awesome to to not just do like just some kind of interview that's kind of, you know, vanilla-ish or whatever. They were so awesome to just, I'm like, wow, this is great. This is the personal stuff that the fans want to know. They want to know who they are and, and what they're all about and stuff. I think it's great that Marty really sunk his teeth into it. That he, I read that he want, he originally was kind of taken aback like wow a whole film about my life and then he realized no let's do it my last year follow us around like let's really really do this and let's just tell the whole thing you know? yeah i mean he was he was very humble about it and and surprised and he shouldn't be at all um you know and josh and i were just again from a fanboy standpoint mm-hmm. we were like yep we we have the the power to do it and let's let's make a movie about him he was just so like really like and i don't know how many times during the interviews you know he would say do you got something in here that's going to interest people? You know, I was like, yes. um, once again, that humbleness, that's what it's, keeps him so It truly Marty. is. I'm not even kidding. And, you know, he hasn't gained anything from this except, you know, it's just, I like to look at it as a legacy piece. I had to convince yeah. him totally. I'm like, I want your great grandkids to watch yeah. this thing. You're in the Hall you of know? Fame. Well, so that's a, that's a good thing. Let's touch on this. So all the proceeds are going to the Reds Foundation and. Hopefully the Dragonfly Foundation in upcoming months. Yeah, so so that was the original idea, and it still is. Um, mm-hmm. The Reds Community Fund will definitely, uh, you know, be a beneficiary of the first premiere. Um, I love the Dragonfly, and uh, Christine over there is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then um, Marty is still uh, does stuff with him even in retirement now. Yeah, and they're amazing. Um, we got a great section of them in the movie. You're gonna love. That's one of the ones you're gonna cry about. Trust okay. me. It's crazy. Great. Is it anything like the trailer? The trailer is amazing. Oh, well, thank it's you. Like, thank yeah. you. I really, I'm going to give a shout out to my assistant editor, uh, Eric Hengeheld, on that because uh, he, I said, I said, dude, I'm, I'm doing all this other stuff. I said, I want to see what you got. Go ahead and chop something. Here's the things I want, mm. and go ahead and show me what you got. And he put together something. It was like, I don't know, it was like five minutes long. The first thing I'm going, what is this? Like, this, we need something down in like two and a half minutes. Yeah. Because there's so much good stuff. And and I said, okay, cut this, do this, this. But I really give credit to him. And, uh, you know, put it in the mix uh, with, with this music that just gives you goosebumps. Yeah. So I'm very, I'm very happy the reception of that trailer. Because, again, cool. a documentary, trailers usually don't, you know, elicit emotions like that. Yes, uh, it, and yours definitely does. And, you know, it's great to say about a um, documentary is it can tell. They can be good and they can be horrible. They can tell a fantastic story really poorly and not really captivate the watcher or um, – uh, yeah, right. You're a watcher, and I think like the music has a huge thing, huge to do with it. So, and yeah, that's the thing. I, you know, my composer, he's an LA guy who I met on the James Franco thing. You were talking mm-hmm. about this movie, Blood Heist. That's not going to see the light of day, but it's a good movie. It's <laughs> it's a fun movie. It's kind of a Pulp Fiction thing, um, and that's a whole different story. But I met John uh, McCauley on that one, and uh, he actually. He goes, hey, I see you're promoting this movie. I go, yep, I haven't hired anybody yet. I said, it's just me and Josh, like, <laughs> thinking about what we want to do. And then, uh, you know, even my DP was like, dude, I want to shoot it for you and stuff. So we were getting this great guerrilla crew. Anyway, my point about music, I always want to make these things feel cinematic. Yeah. I don't want, you know, some – that's just my style. I don't want some, you know, narration that's sitting there telling you statistics and stuff. Mm-hmm. I want people to feel like – 
what was it like? You know, I was at the Jay Bruce uh, game when he when he hit the walk off homer, which is Marty's favorite call. I was at I was that game. That. Cool. I remember what that feels like. Cool. So I want that to come across in the movie, so that yeah. viewers like. Uh, it's a documentary, you know. I'm sure it's like, you know. <laughs> oh no! I hope people don't think that anymore. Does that does that thought still exist? In documentaries? No, I think documentaries. This is kind of the 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 decade or the last few years of documentaries. There are some great documentaries. I don't mean to. I love the art form clearly. Me too. You know, so I think they've come uh, around into where you know because it's filmmakers now have the gear to do it. Yeah, kids. You know? I mean, you can make it yeah. on your iPhone. Well, and I think also the great thing is you can stream them on Netflix and Amazon, and some of your films are on Amazon. Yeah. Do you have any on Netflix as well? Uh, you know, 4192, uh, we we did, had that on Netflix for a while. It was on mm. Hulu also. Um, I think it's still on Amazon. Um, but this one has the same uh, type of uh, distribution potential. I always get this even from Marty. He goes, is anybody outside of the Cincinnati market want to watch this stuff? I'm like, Dude, yes. first of all, you're totally our Vin Scully. <laughs> totally. He's in the Reds. I'm not just the Reds Hall of Fame this year, but he's in the National yeah. Hall of Fame. I mean, there's, you know, very it's just amazing that somebody you know, he would he would feel that way or whatever. But I'm telling you this movie goes deep. I always do that. I put some side stuff in there yeah. as an homage to, you know, baseball in general yeah. and the history so that it it feels bigger. And of course, Having, you know, I love the fact that I got Tom Brennan, I got Jeff Brantley, you know, I got the, you know, the guys here in town. But when you have Pete, when you have Tom Browning, when you have Urban Meyer and, mm -hmm. and Kirk Herbstreit and Nick Lachey, I think people are going to be curious to watch that on a, on a bigger level. Yeah. So I want it to be on ESPN. I want it to be on, you know, FS1 or something like that. Oh, good luck and yeah. congr congratulations yeah. with that. Now, so what was it like sitting in the box with Marty? Because didn't you and Josh or just you sit in the box with Marty? Josh a, is hilarious because he ruined, I'm going to tell him now because I know he's <laughs> listening. He ruined that opportunity because he's always busy. Now, he's he's a great dad, and, and I think him and Dean uh, for opening day were sitting. Uh, they get tickets every year. So, yeah. so he didn't get to do that. So I... I went out to spring training by myself, speaking mm -hmm. of iPhone shooting. When you see that footage, that's me and my iPhone. Now, yes. it's rigged out a little bit. I have a, I have a lens and a nice mic on that thing. But that's me at spring training. Mm -hmm. Opening day. Oh, opening day is my camera work, too. Brian, our DP, uh, he wasn't able to get his big DSLR package in until the final game, gotcha. which I'll tell you in a second. So opening day was cool, and I went with uh, a, another guy, an assistant, uh, to help me out a little bit on that. And again, like I said, the Reds have just been great. I, I love them over there. Uh, Karen Forgus and, and, of course, Phil Castellani and Rob Butcher, they all uh, just gave me access to so much stuff. So you got to sit next to Marty in the booth while he announced games in his final season? So we only did the way the movie is, and I always start off with, with kind of an outline of what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So clearly I wanted to do you know some of his famous calls. Now he's got so many that we couldn't so highlight many. them all. I yeah. couldn't even, I mean... I want to highlight some, but, I mean, we can't. There's so much. Let's see, like the Tom Browning's thing, Hank Aaron's record-tying home run, uh, Pete Rose tying Ty Cobbs on September 11th, 1985, and then there's also so much with Ken Giffrey Jr. And then I just read an article that's like, it's, that's Marty Brenneman's 46 top greatest calls. I'm like, what? Crazy. I, I, this, is, yeah. this is insane. Absolutely. And that's, again, a testament to going back to – um, you know, our great Reds town. I yeah. mean, here's a small market town. We have, a, you know, the past few years haven't been that great, but we try to, you know, keep rooting for the Reds. This team should be doing much better hey, than Hey, we are a thoroughbred city here, okay? Yeah. We support no matter what. We, Absolutely. We don't have to be the best at anything, and we are okay with that. 
unfortunately. We, we, we understand what it feels like. We support no matter what. And I think it's also, it's important to highlight the personalities that make this city what they are. And Marty is an integral part of this. He has so much more power than, I mean, many, many people in the city. And also he needs to be celebrated. Absolutely. Like, he's a great man with such great cheer and, like, and um, is zest for life and like really led our city. So I just think it's you, it's excitable. Is yeah. Anyway, I just fangirled there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, His career great. is amazing. I love it uh, is. And, being and, in broadcasting. And that's the I hard think thing. He was he was going. Well, how long is this thing going to be? You just reminded me of this. And I said it's two hours. And he goes, what? He goes. I said, understand. You, we have you growing up and 46 years. You know, Pete was growing up in only 22 years of his career that I that I covered, and uh-huh. that was an hour and 55 minutes. I said, this should be like the last dance. We should have did a series on you. Yes. <laughs> and he's just so bored with himself. I'm going, oh my god, you you have no idea the great stuff that didn't make the movie. You know, so I've been I've been putting out some outtakes that are kind of more funny stuff. But uh, oh, good. Yeah. So if you go to the uh, How We Look in Facebook fan page. You'll see some of the clips that I posted on there. Let me write that down. Yeah. You know, um, I have been trying to get Marty on this podcast since the inception of this podcast two years ago when it was Person of Interest with Jeff Thomas. And their PR people keep saying, you have to go through Amanda. You have to go through Amanda. Don't ask <laughs> That's a Marty. True story. They're like, don't ask Marty. He's going to say no. Don't, like go through. Amanda's life. a little protective, but she's been great on this movie. I think she's okay. giddy. I just got a text this morning how excited she is about the the premiere coming. So yes, yeah, we had a couple other uh, Ron Osters coming out and George Foster's coming out. Uh, people that I didn't get in the film because I mean, literally, I had so many people that that wanted to do it, and I was like, man, you know, I want Marty to really tell his story, and the other guys, you know, support it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those guys are all giving too. Um, you mm-hmm. know, to have people like that, um, you know, want to be a part of it. It's it's very humbling. So so if you go through like Marty's process when you're sitting, like what does he like when you're just sitting next to him and he's doing his job? Is he hyper-focused? Is he... No, it's it's so like, ridiculous. He's out. such an expert. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was like. How in the world... So those guys in the in the booth, so he's there with Cowboy and Yid. <laughs> Yid's his engineer, right? So Dave, Yiddy. And and they're they're all kind of cutting up and doing their thing. And then as soon as they come back from break, boom, he's right Johnny on the spot. I'm like, how in the world do you just pick that back up? Right? And then even during a game, like he'll go, uh, you know, yesterday I was telling this story about, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, there's a, a, a shot up the middle there. And, uh, you know, Senzel <laughs> picks it up. And then he goes back to the story. I'm going, and I'm watching this going, professional it's ridiculous. For sure. He's been doing it forever, so it's it's secondhand. But I'm just laughing at like, man. You know, so that was fun to have access to. Oh, my gosh. Watch that. Well, I can't wait to hear the story because I just remember, like, Marty Brenneman has just been in the background of my life forever. You know, him and Jim Scott, I'm just like, their voices are just. So from from your profession, that's another documentary I wanted to do is on our proud broadcast history here. Yeah. You know, you got all you guys currently and everything going Uh on. But like I said, when you go back to the Gary Burbanks, Nick Clooney was my narrator on the Rebound story. I grew up watching him on the news. And you know what? J.K. Simmons was a narrator in one of your films as well. And he's now an Oscar winner. Yeah, that was cool. I always get to say I directed an Oscar winner. Yeah, that's cool. That was after. Like, yeah, (laughs) we did it. So I got him before he won his trophy. It doesn't. (laughs) Hey, you know. But that was cool. That we shot that in Encino, California, like one week before, uh, something like that, uh, before the uh, premiere. Mm, wow, that was crazy. 
Yeah, and he was he was just so awesomely good. Oh, I can see. He he grew up in Ohio, um, so he was a Reds fan. But then he moved to Detroit, Michigan, and he was a huge Sparky fan. And he said, you know, Sparky loves Pete like a son. I want to do this for you know for Sparky and Pete. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. <laughs> I was like, cool. Hold on, this because that was for you directed us. This is I asked Josh. Do you have any questions? I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote you on a question. Do you have one? And, he, and this is what he said: What was it like to see an Oscar that you directed win an Oscar just a few years later? Because J.K. Simmons was a narrator for the Pete Rose documentary. Okay, and he was, a, and he was a, and he won an Oscar for best supporting actor in Whiplash. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's what it was. Cool. Hold on. So let's go back to Jim Scott. We started talking about him because he also um, was. We had. He was supposed to be on this podcast, and then COVID hit, and then we couldn't get together, and now um, we still haven't been able to get together because of COVID, and that's been like in March. We had it's a re- terrible. We had to. Re- yeah. I had to reschedule once in March, and then reschedule again, and then now it's like wah wah wah. Yeah. So it's a shame because I mean it's, you know, it's just affecting everybody. I I don't really try to dwell on it with the movie, but it did change some stuff for us. And yeah. Of course, the baseball season, but yeah, even. You know, when you're in that that category, you know, of, of you know, Jim uh, trying to enjoy his life, I'm sure, you know, he's earned mm-hmm. it. And, uh, you know, and Marty, too, he wanted to go on vacation. You know, they've yeah. been kind of stuck. Yeah. Um, so. That's like for, you know, leading the cities, leading our city for a long time. So what was your end goal going into this film? The angle in terms of uh, what am I hoping the end game will be or yeah when you were like coming that. into this you were like this is what i want to accomplish yeah it's kind of a a, a dual thing i suppose again me as a fanboy i just always wanted to do a film like i'm like i'm not gonna wait for somebody else to do it i'll just do it myself and he deserves <laughs> a movie about himself yeah um but the other side of it again I, just as a proud cincinnati and i i think we need you know we got a lot of money in this town i'd like to see uh you know people step up and fund the film arts, because we have a great arts community, too. But like you said, there's there's so many great documentaries. Um, you know, there's Women in Film mm-hmm. out there is a great organization. Um, Which is based, making this is great, Cincinnati. It's yeah, Cincinnati it's based in Cincinnati. Talking. And, um, you know, so many uh, people that were on the, uh, I don't know if you saw this documentary, American Factory. Um, it's a great documentary, and uh, quite a few Cincinnati filmmakers worked on that. And it was the one in Dayton uh, about a... Uh, I think it was a former auto plant or something like that. I'm blanking on it because this, this was last year, and, I, and I, I'm trying to remember specifics. But um, uh, the uh, Chinese billionaire came over and invested in it, and it's and it's called American Factory, where they're trying to um, find out how to work under like a Chinese uh, work ethic type of factory with mm, blue collar mm-hmm. people and all this stuff. It's just a great movie, and and the the Obamas were a part of that movie. Oh, cool! And again, a lot of people. But there's there's just so many, you know, the Film Commission. You know, Kristen Irwin's done a great job. I'm I'm bringing films in here and supporting local filmmakers. Yeah, she's been on this as well. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. And there's so there's a, there's just a lot of great things in our art form mm-hmm. and I would just like to see you know a lot of the the budgets get expanded so we can tell these stories because there was a great movie one of the things that, that I compare these movies to that I'm trying to do um, you're, you seem like a film geek too so you you, you might know this I one. could go I could forever there's a f- famous Russian film called um, man with a movie camera okay okay and it was it came out 100 years ago it was like 1919 something okay. like that and it was just Kind of a documentary where they just took three years and they shot around Russia 
1919, and they put all this stuff together, right? Uh-huh. So you get to see, can you imagine, no. like, 100 years from now, somebody looking at, you know, this Marty documentary and going, that was our, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And and look at the game footage and look at all that. Yes. And wherever the game progresses from mm-hmm. 100 years. That excites me to, to do a little time capsule stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Well, it seems like, so, so did you achieve your goal? Yeah, I think so. I, I've. It's weird to say this because a lot of times, like, I think I'm a pretty decent filmmaker, actually, which sounds egocentric, but I've been no, it doing doesn't. it for 27 years. Being proud time. of yourself is very cool. But this movie had so many weird things because of, of just scheduling things and trying to do it. And then the coronavirus, because this was supposed to be, we were going to, I was going to shoot his last game, cut that footage in, and then boom, before the season was over, we were going to have this movie out. Yeah. You know, because. Everything was fresh with, I mean, I went to the, the last, you know, I was in the booth for Marty's last game and to see those people. And I wanted it while it was very hot and everything. And then we had to deal with this and I didn't get some of the interviews and all this stuff. But all through that, I just watched it last night again with the full final audio mix, you know, because it's, it, you make a lot of these movies and you're just listening to kind of bad audio and, and just raw stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, my audio guy, Jonathan Noss, did a killer <clears throat> job. And I cranked that up on my home theater last night by myself and geeked out and going, this is a really good movie. That's awesome. <laughs> that is so awesome. And I do awesome. legit feel happy. I have nothing to say other than I cannot <laughs> wait to unleash that thing Monday. That is so yeah. cool. That is, I mean, congratulations. Thank you. I know. We are all so excited to see it and all the hard work. And you know what? You have such an optimistic point of view and outlook on the world. And, you know, I think... Just can I can I what I'm seeing right now in <laughs> sure. you is you what's so great about documentaries is that they're real stories and you learn so much and you can make them so interesting and fun. And you've done that so well in the past. And I cannot wait to see what you've done with Marty Brenneman, because what a piece of um, what a what a content piece. Thank you so you know? much for that. Yeah. yeah. So congratulations. This um, for everybody in Cincinnati this Monday. August 17th at the Starlight Theater. The show goes on at 9 p.m.? So we have a, a, a couple fun things ahead of time. Okay. So gates will open at 6, okay. and then Gamble and Finn, who I don't know if you, uh, is you know, that might be your rivals or whatever. Ugh. You know, those guys, Tom Gamble and, and, and Finn Rock. Uh, you, I don't pay attention to people. Anyway, that they, they've got kidding. their own live streaming show, and they're yes. going to come out and do live streaming at our thing, which oh, will be cool. kind of fun and weird. I love those guys. And then um, we have a band, mm-hmm. the Catalina Wine Mixer Band. Seen that, yes. Yeah. So they're going to play for about an hour. We're going to do a Q&A, film panel discussion with mm-hmm. uh, Marty and our VIPs and Josh. And then showtime at 9. Nice. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks. I cannot wait. you got to come over and hang out with me, okay? Yes, please. <laughs> please, please, please. Yeah. And thank you so much for, for, uh, for being on today. Thank you for having me. Yes. And that's it. Man, it feels good to be back. Thank you so much for joining us. How We Lookin', The Immortal Words of Marty Brenneman premieres tomorrow, August 17th, 2020 at the Starlight Drive-In Movie Theater in Amelia, Ohio. You can get your tickets at starlightdriveinohio.com. I'm so excited to be back in podcasting, and I will see you next week. Mwah. Love you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon, and make yourself proud today, babe. This has been Person of Interest with Natalie Jones. 